Hello, Joel. Hello. So you uh, wrote this 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 um, zine called the Desert Boon of Karth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's accurate. That is uh, that's that's my name on the on the cu- flimsy cover of it there. Yeah, hundred ten pound or whatever. And the M on there doesn't stand for mature; it stands for mothership. So it was a right. zine written for the uh, mothership system. Well, I don't say system. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is a system. Yeah, RPG system, sure. Yeah, so I mean, I bought in. This is probably one of the few. This is probably mm-hmm. one of the few uh, things I bought into as far as a Kickstarter RPG product that I bought into a thing. Kind of thought what I I knew what I was getting, and then when I get it, it's actually even more than I thought I was getting. And I'm kind of glad. Going through this, huh? Yeah, I'm glad that's the case. Uh, instead of you open it and it's just uh, <laughs> the the title repeated over and over again in a desert background or something with real big fonts and lots of space. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, maybe, maybe next to- project we'll see. Yeah, you know what? Maybe it pushes. So it's to me after looking through it, and I I haven't fully grokked it, uh, but I mean the whole idea sci-fi moon western. I mean it's like, I mean that, that's I mean that's just a beautiful thing. But it's not just that. So it's got an injection of weird into the whole thing as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I think it's it's got a couple. Um... I just sort of threw a bunch of influences into the blender with primarily uh, you get that doom, you get the, the, the Western elements and um, uh, I, I think, uh, and then a healthy serving of Firefly, the Mandalorian and um, all the other sort of various uh, things that might've influenced me. And I didn't even think that reference them there, but uh, yeah, it just sort of came together like uh, organically sort of like a, uh, like, like a tumor and it just sort of, <laughs> <laughs> grew under its own mass and then appeared. Well, I think the thing is, it's like, um, it's kind of like those noodles that I've never had where I don't know, like some sort of Korean mm-hmm. or somewhere in Asia where you, you have this little box and you throw it in and it goes poof and it turns into being like way more noodles coming out of that boiling water than you put in. Whoa. Yeah. I was like, what happened? That's like that. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I've got a good. Yeah. No, I, it's definitely. Um, I started when I started out. Uh, it actually was a bit of a, a pairing. This was a pairing back um, behind the scenes, uh, and that I, I, I had in my mind I wanted to do like a first RPG project. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you uh, with with projects, but when you're starting out with something, uh, sometimes it's easy to be really grandiose and want to make something huge and the biggest thing to have everything in it. So I was going to do a 300 page hex crawl with. Uh, you know, in a hardcover book, and uh, it uh, it sounded like a great idea for at least a week. And then, as it you know dawned on me more and more, the scale and scope, and the you know uh, no experience uh, that I've had ever making something of that that large, it definitely uh, made me want to sort of explore other things, which I think def- made a much better product uh, and end uh, result than it would have without any type of limitations that like 52 pages really made me cut a lot of stuff that was um, unnecessary and sort of focused on, I think, providing more, um, more interesting uh, content and ideas than I would have otherwise. Yeah. I think you have the discipline to cut back. I usually start small underestimating how much it'll be. 
it then expands beyond what I ever expected. And I just end up making things bigger. But I think what you did was actually wiser. They, I think that they, they both had their merits. This one worked out all right this time. Yeah, because I, I think what I, one thing I really like about it is it's a point crawl. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's, so you kind of have both the structure and also you, you have the bit of freedom as well. Yeah, I, I was definitely inspired. I liked um, the way that uh, ultraviolet grasslands and um, yes. some of the uh, uh, hill cantons books like um, Slumber and Ursine Dunes uh, did that. And it, it definitely, I think deep down, I really still love hex crawls uh, as like, and I, I think they're not mutually exclusive, uh, but I think when you have a, a limited area and you want to define paths, make those important, and the connections between them really important. Uh, I think point crawls are really great and uh, provide like that balance between just a um, a set like uh, single path and um, a open you know six cardinal directions you can go anywhere in. Yeah, I mean this definitely seems to. I mean I can see the influence with uh, ultraviolet grasslands in in many ways. Not that you would confuse the two but boy there is some really there's some sensibilities that are that i think that were so wonderful about Mm -hmm. grasslands that you you put into this as well oh yeah thanks that's definitely a it's a a book that uh really uh, was inspirational i think for for this yeah and i think also the and i think what i also enjoy is your use of random tables um i they're they're not Do you have any like one in particular that's uh that stands out to you just off the top of your head no but i think what i enjoy about them is mm-hmm. they're not overly obnoxious there's a lot of things i like what you did there's we'll, we'll talk about later uh, as far as even your design sure. Sure. but i think what i like about it is sometimes it's it's like i think you found a good balance with putting them in the right places to generate just enough so they're 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 not like D100 rolls and there's, you know, sometimes you just get lost in tables where I think the thing is you, you kept, kept them for the most part, fairly succinct into what, what is needed for that area without really going to the point where they become unusable. Mm. And I think you've also kept them in general um, interesting too. So I think if sometimes things get too much out of hand, they just, they become watered down. So I think in general, I think kind of in many ways, kind of like UVG, it just hit that right balance with all of these with having um, a good number that you can, you can run it multiple times. And as a GM, you wouldn't get bored. Or if you even want the players, I suppose, to run it through again. I don't know if it's how yeah, that give works. Give them a chance, maybe. Yeah. It could, could be possible. But I mean, it, it does provide a different vibe, different thing. Uh, and, you know, some of these tables, I think was the end, like was the things you find on a dead body. I mean, there's just... Was that one of those in there? Yeah, right on the end cover of the book. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just fun stuff. It's just fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So, what made you go? So, what? Why? So, why the desert moon? What's the what? What was all of a sudden the thing that made this whole thing gel? Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So, um, I, I I started out and I was trying to come up with an idea because I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted a sci fi. Uh, hex point or some kind of uh, sandbox adventure crawl of some sort. And um, for uh, sort of influence, I was trying to find like uh, 
sort of inspirations to ransack. And I, I decided to look, um, I was playing a stars without number game uh, at the time. Uh, and I had a sort of uh, that game you can make, there's tools to make a sort of sandbox, a star sector and yeah. populate it with different planets that have their own uh, weird thing going on. And there's a mixture of random generation and me uh, doing some uh, GM sort of uh, creation of those. And I, I was sort I just basically looked at these handful that I had a little bit of an idea on and was sort of familiar with as sort of running my own games. And I just sort of picked through the them like marbles, trying to find one that had something that worthwhile. And there's one that was a desert planet and it had these ancient orbital uh, defense arrays that would sort of prevent the landing of any, any large ships around it. And uh, I had written down that uh, there were psychics on it. And I, the, uh, the, the sort of psychic order bit sort of got cut, didn't make it, but that was sort of the genesis of uh, when I focused on Desert Moon and Karth. And then I, I realized, well, I, I really like Western stuff, but that was the next block. And then um, I decided to reread Dune that summer. And that was sort of the final uh, sort of big piece coming in uh, to sort of give it the mix that was the basic ingredients to get this sort of uh, moon together. And uh, to come up with the the name, I just kept on throwing random single syllables uh, on a on a page to see what stuck, and and then I Google it to make sure it wasn't already something else. And you'd be surprised, maybe or maybe not, how many like random single syllable words have already been used for some kind of fantasy or sci-fi or like are actually a real thing and yeah. um i was i was finally satisfied with both the mouthfeel and the uh um and the lack of uh, other connections other thing for karth and the desert moon of was sort of like horse moon of endor i sort of like the uh the sort of uh, the title structure oh yeah it has a certain like callback or uh, weirdness to it it's a little, little stilted which i i appreciated but yeah, I didn't put uh, all too much thought into uh, the what Karth is. Uh, and there's a lot of names that were, and I think uh, in future things, I might have a little bit more of an, uh, maybe an allusion to something else in, in the name. But really, it just uh, came down to it sounded right and it, uh, it fit the glove at the end of it. So the, the cover is, I mean, it's very Clint Eastwood-esque. Uh, the Outlaw mm-hmm. Josie Wales, uh, the, the Poncho. Uh, but then you also see the cybernetic arm. And uh, so, I mean, you, you kind of realize this is not, I mean, you know, it, it, it very much looks like the old West because of the mesas, but it also uh, actually, you can tell from looking at I mean, it's a great design. Who did the cover? Oh uh, yeah. So um, that would be, the art was a uh, Logan stall for both the front and the back cover and a lot of the, uh, the pieces inside and okay. the um, the title design and such was uh, uh, Simon uh, Cogswell, but yeah, that that piece is I it's my, one of my favorite ones in the book and I, I love the colors too. I I think he, uh, Logan really has this sort of a Mobius slash Tintin type look that uh, is I, I found really interesting and sort of um, a retro but uh, a little different than um, uh, some of the. Uh, I, I guess what you'd normally associate with a, like an old school RPG cover. Yeah, and it definitely, I think especially the cover with the colors also kind of made me think of Luca's uh, style um, without. Oh yeah, no, they, there's some, absolutely, yeah, there's some, some stylistic similarities there, I think. So did he also do the, um, 
the um, the title as well. Oh uh, no, that was uh, that was uh, that was uh, Simon uh, Cogswell there. Okay. Uh, they did uh, Delta Green uh, and uh, Room Quest. I think the new uh, Room Quest hardcovers. But this was sort of uh, their first time doing this, um, like uh, something for Mothership, uh, which was very different layout wise and uh, cover sort of design. So who all? So you wrote the. So you wrote this. So what was the? Do you have uh, some mm -hmm. various artists working on this? So who else? Who else was on this project? Was it just besides? Uh, yeah. So uh, so total and uh, I, I had uh, Logan Logan Stahl uh, and then uh, one one second here. So uh, between so basically everyone here. So starting off with um, uh, so artists we have Logan Stahl. And then we also have Ben Smith, who uh, you see that map in the inner, inner cover. Yes, uh, love the map. He did that, and yeah, very, very sort of different look from some of the the other arts. But well, uh, it really looks to me mm -hmm. like if you were to open up, if this was a 1950s style mm -hmm. comic book, Flash mm -hmm. Gordon style without the color. I mean, that's what it kind of looks like to me. I mean, it's it's a very stylized, retro, but just evocative map. Yeah, I, I like having that on the the, the front cover. I, I think uh, it's it's really a uh, nice having uh, its contribution there. And then Maps was a uh, Glenn Seal who did um, uh, the Midderlands, and um, it seems like uh, seems like their uh, their work is in a lot of things now. Just a isometric cartography, and then uh, Francisco Zaneri for each of the uh, location uh, little scenes there. Yeah like the uh the chat and uh basically i just had um i had a, a number of different needs for it and i knew first thing i knew was that i did not have the artistic chops to match what how i wanted it to look and um there's a, a lot of a number of different skill sets i needed for some of the things so i was able to find just through just looking up books that had a cool a cool look to them and checking the credits was how i basically sourced uh most of my uh the, the people and then between that and instagram and there's so many uh, really skilled people uh, out out there and um it's it's really great being part of this sort of i i guess the the osr and just rpgs in general uh just the, there's a lot of creativity and a lot of different styles and I, I think it's really neat that uh there's such a variety of people out there I, it appears to me that there's a couple pieces were uh stock art but then you did interiors with them. You commissioned somebody then, uh, was it Glenn Seals, to do the isometric interior that didn't exist. Let's see. Oh, uh, so you're saying, like so the, yeah, I, I don't, so. The Silver Spire. Yeah, exactly. Instance. So this, the Silver Spire was done. Uh, I started out with the, uh, the scene uh, from uh, Francisco Zaneri there. Uh, and then Glenn Seal uh, sort of making, uh, using that as a reference, uh, made yeah. the dungeon with the uh, with the layout that I'd sort of designed on that for the interior, and then uh, did it in his way, which would have looked a lot better than the uh, line diagram that I had sort of sketched. And I think you did the same thing, maybe with the seahorse mine, where it was a stock art mm -hmm. that was for the, the the front, but then you then you had the isometric map that just I, I just thought that was just kind of 
brilliant. I think the way that you use some of the stock art that I have seen before, but you did it in such a way that if I, I would not have realized it if I hadn't, you know, looked through a lot of stuff myself, but I mean, it was just a, you, then the way it's cropped and zoomed in, it's, I think it shows it in a different way than it's normally presented. Uh, so I thought it was just, a, I thought it was just brilliant. Yeah, it's it's nice seeing those different uh, layers. I, I want to have it more blown up, I think, in a, in a future uh, product to maybe like a larger sk uh, scope book would be uh, uh, cool to have like that really spread out. But there's all that's the thing. There's always a, another one. I, I really uh, enjoy how it turned out here. Who did your layout? Uh, so in the layout, yeah, that was uh, Simon uh, Cogswell. Okay. Or at... Uh, I Simeon, I'm pretty sure it's Simon. Uh, uh, yeah, Simon Cogswell, uh, and uh, they're they're uh, really great to, to work with. Um, and uh, yeah, this was this sort of mothership, as as you might have seen some other stuff. It sort of got this it a design language, or it's not really consistent between every mothership product. But the the layout, uh, the nature of the layout is very different from a lot of uh, RPG books. Uh, it's sort of um, and I, I think was uh, definitely uh, Simon really put in a lot of extra work to get this sort of um, like bespoke uh, uh, look on the on the interior that I really appreciated uh, the effort for. But yeah, again, and all I would if again if I had done the layout, uh, we would have had a very beautiful uh, Google Doc, and it would have it would have it would have worked. May it would have possibly worked, uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, how um, easy, easily usable it would be, or beautiful, or uh, appealing to folks. Well, I to me the um, the key for me being an older person is mm -hmm. legibility, and for me, I, I, I don't really care so much about being trendy as I care about being readable and oh yeah, and how information is presented. But uh, this was done in a way that I was surprised. For as, as much as that's going on with a lot of these pages, I'm not getting lost in it. I don't look at it and just want to throw it, you know, down. It's just like it was, yeah. He did a very good job laying this thing out. I mean, astounding. I mean, it, it's, I'm really pretty impressed by the whole thing. It's 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 quite well done, and I really love the factions. Uh, I think earlier on, so there's four factions on this moon, right? Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, was it four? It. Yeah, so four. Uh, let's get yeah, four. So mm -hmm. we have the Dawn Seekers, the Manian Expeditionary Fort, Expeditionary Expeditionary Force. Well, that's a tongue twister. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Valley Rangers. Yeah, I, I realize I, I haven't I haven't ever said the entire word out loud myself. <laughs> it's just one of those things I wrote a lot of times. <laughs> Manian Expeditionary Force. Yeah, the, I guess MEF I, I must have just used casually more often. And then yeah, you know, the wig boy. But the, the whole thing is the way you, well, you, the way the, was it Simon you said was his name? Oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's their name. That's yeah, so, uh, so the way Simon presented this, I mean, it's, it's very showing the relation between the factions was very well done. I mean, it just was just amazing. I think also you were able to put everything together that was needed in, in, in a, an economy of words, um, which I thought is also really speaks well. So I think what I also like about the whole thing is there's there's four factions at play. This isn't just you just go into town. It's there's relationships. So what's what's going on with these factions? 
Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, there's a, uh, I guess, uh, so spoil spoilers for anybody who's uh, who's gonna play it. Although this isn't is pretty general. Uh, so there's uh, the Dawn Seekers, which are like these um, these immortal, uh, basically whites uh, that live uh, these these human or mostly human beings that have uh, lived forever on the uh, organ harvesting the organs of uh, their their donors, the sort of laboring class in their society after it uh, fell on just using the trace amounts of, uh, of DNA, uh, alien DNA in it to uh, help maintain their failing organs. So they, they've got a real sort of vampire uh, aristocratic elite thing going on uh, where you also have the uh, Manian Expeditionary Force who's sort of come to Karth uh, down the space elevator and established a beachhead to try to uh, re reclaim as they see it this this place and it really hasn't gone well for them and uh, you just got the one little boom town of, of Lars Town which is a real sort of Mos Eisley uh, edge of the uh, universe uh, western town style spot and then you've got the Valley Rangers which were the other survivors of the uh, the the, civ the civil war and activation of the orbitals there who are a sort of a uh, a, a cargo cult uh, formed on the uh, the trappings of the uh, lunar park services uh, bureaucracy and traditions. They got the hat, and uh, de definitely I, I drew a little bit from my uh, park ranger ex uh, experience to help flesh these these ones out. Uh, not not necessarily uh, all of it, but it, it helped provide some of the um, the the detail in there. And then you've got the uh, the aliens there, the the Wegoi, who were the uh, original inhabitants. Uh, these uh, no eyes and uh, tentacles who um, uh, could live forever and uh, were harvested for the, their, the biochemicals uh, within them by the, the humans uh, who uh, came across the place before they fell in the Civil War. And they're supposedly extinct right now, but uh, potentially not. And that's sort of the, the main, the factions there, which are pretty varied and sort of geographically uh, distinct from each other uh, on the... Uh, on the map there yeah so the the players i guess so so why you know my first read through or at least you know flipping mm -hmm. through i realized that there was these these orbital cannons or whatever mm -hmm. so does that keep anybody that's why i wasn't sure so does that keep anybody from coming in or leaving is that the case yeah yeah correct and i definitely uh, i might have uh, it would have been good to in retrospect, have that a couple other spots, but yeah, basically, um, uh, the the orbital defenses are sort of stuff programmed on to target with a, a high degree of aggression any sort of large objects going above a certain. Uh, I, I believe it's uh, about uh, three hundred or six hundred meters, uh, or uh, enter a low orbit. So the only way in, sort of through this uh, this grid or net, is the uh, ancient uh, space elevator everything oh, else uh, okay. being shot uh, coming in or out. So it's sort of a, um, a bit of a, under a, a dome almost, uh, which makes getting in or out pretty limited. I see. So that's how the people could be from outside coming in, because that was what was mm -hmm. listed, is, you know, the, the 1D10 reasons why I'm here. Um, yeah. Which, which I, I love, uh, because there's, there's a lot of different options. So it's it's you know, kind of evocative as far as giving care, you know, giving characters a, or players a reason for their characters to be there. 
rather than just the yeah, king. Yeah, I like having some variety. Yeah, well, the king you know, tells you, I want you to go investigate this mystery. <laughs> so well, like that would make my job adventure. easier if I, I just had the <laughs> 1D1 tables. Just, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, well, let me roll of... for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be, be a fun gimmick in a future thing. <laughs> I like it. Do you ever listen to the Grognard pop podcast? Oh uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't. Uh, or haven't Grognard heard it Files, yet. I should say, the Grognard Files. So yeah. yeah, he will ask questions. He'll roll. He'll be rolling on a table. But then, it took me a while to understand that he really was rolling the die, but that didn't really mean anything. Those are questions uh, he's going to ask. Great, great, <laughs> great, uh, classic dungeon master uh, strategy yeah. and, and uh, tip there. It's good to have that in the back pocket. Yeah, let me see. Okay. Uh, so anyway, no, I thought that was, I thought it was really well to, again, a number of those uh, random tables that, that actually add to this. So you, so this is the first project you've ever, uh, that you've ever done, correct? Uh, yeah, this is it. first, uh, yeah, first project basically that I've ever done for RPGs. Yeah. So everything else has just been notes and home games. And so you you've got people on board that said, yeah, I want to I want to do this. I mean, people with skills, mm -hmm. not just, you know, hey, my friends, anybody want in on this? But you 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 it and I'm you know obviously I'm assuming people that got paid or you know I mean these people weren't working yep. free, mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, to me I I don't know what your levels were on your Kickstarter, um, but. I mean, there's, it takes a lot of faith, I mean, for people to kind of commit, imagine, uh, to this whole thing. I mean, for you to also mm -hmm. try and get people involved and, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And, and can you commit to this time if it's it funds? I mean, that's, sounds like a lot yeah. of stress. I mean, how did that all work out? I mean, how did you approach people or? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think with that part, and I, I can't, can't speak a hundred percent for sort of, their, their thought process uh, going on to the project. But uh, basically, uh, I, I think it's important uh, to um, uh, like approach people professionally. Like, and a lot of this advice I, I, I found from just reading, basically, I just spent a lot of time reading from other people's mistakes or things <laughs> that went well in like blogs and Kickstarters. Yeah. And um, sort of, they, they really, their, their having been through the experience like helped uh, make me sort of uh, onboard a lot faster with uh, knowing some basic levels of how to get started. But um, yeah, I made sure to pay everyone uh, up front and um, uh, try to uh, just get done what uh, needed to be done before the Kickstarter. And uh, so there's not that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of an unknown person, right? I, I don't want anybody to and be, feel apprehensive, right, about like, well, will this whole thing fall apart and this guy will vanish off the earth or something? Yeah. So I, I think that that was a, a part of it. And then it just sort of, I, I felt like, um, I, I guess I, I had a certain level of confidence. It might have been, uh, might have been sort of uh, based on little information, but that uh, based on what I, the sort of pitch I had and the, the, the people I had working uh, with and the sort of, uh, uh, the product I was putting together, I was like, okay, I, I can probably definitely make like at least like uh, 5,000 bucks on this. And, uh, that'll, that'll a little bit more, that'll, that'll more than cover, uh, the expenses and, uh, I'll have this thing out there. 
And I, I, I thought, and I, I was fairly confident that would be, that was, there, there definitely was some cases where that, that there's a chance that wouldn't happen. Right. But, uh, I felt like, uh, I was willing to take the risk and, uh, luckily it, it panned out for me. Well, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, I mean, you know, it, it goes to show, you know, cause if it would have failed miserably, it'd have been sheer hubris. Mm-hmm. But it succeeded wildly. Sure, sure. It goes to show that you had a good sense uh, about it, but you didn't know this going in. So I mean, it's it's no. I, there's a chance that I just thought I I had good shit or stuff. I sorry. Uh, no, that's and, fine. Uh, okay, yeah, it's a it's 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 a gotcha. So um, yeah, I I think um, I I was concerned because um, I've I've definitely you know known known a lot of well known people who had like really like. Uh, ideas that they were really into for RPGs or creatively that uh, might not have might have been a like very personal visions and I know I've had like projects like that too and um, I I really didn't know uh, after besides some like, initial feedback from people I talked to uh, just a uh, sort of sample size that this was something people would be actually into I I had I had a general idea that I was I was onto something that some folks might find interesting, but you can't really know until you know, I guess, right? Like uh, what you think's cool, and if you think other people will think that's cool until you you put that out there in the world. Well, because it's like I because I used to mm-hmm. sell um, I used to sell photography at art fairs and such. Yeah, and there's a point where it's like I get a lot of comments on my pictures, but then. But that didn't necessarily mean equate to sales because what I realized, you know, in the end was that people buy art, not for art, but it's home decor. And if the, if the, generally if the wife or girlfriend or whatever, you know, is the one in charge of the decor, it doesn't match the couch. It's not going to get bought. So, but you know, you can have a feeling that this is good and it can resonate with people, but it doesn't necessarily always mean equate to that. They're going to put money down. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's like, cause I kind of did the same thing with, with scoundrels. I mean, I, I did not put, I did not, I did not, um, I did not have the investment that you did. Uh, cause mm. really put money down ahead of time. I mean, you were, you were putting this money down in a way that, uh, I had some risks and I thought, well, I should be able to sell a thousand and, and, and it, but at least by me selling, um, or a thousand dollars, at least by me selling, I was able to verify that feeling mm-hmm. but boy you just jumped in both feet no i yeah actually as you're describing it now i'm i'm, I'm just talking <laughs> through it i'm i'm realizing what how counter it is because all the advice right like i you you've read through it as as well it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't just pay for a bunch of stuff before you you know you you've got this thing you should have like a as as i mean i i tried to you know keep it min- minimal but on the other hand i also wanted to like you know, have, uh, have some cool stuff to show. I think with, with art, uh, definitely, I think, uh, like Logan's art definitely was a big part, but no, yeah, it was, I, I think, uh, you're making me a little nervous in retrospect. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I, think, I, I think, yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of hubris. That's I, I wasn't okay. thinking about it. We're much. naive. Yeah. We don't Some, know. What sometimes we're doing. you get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was the execution. I mean, it, it, it all executed, right. I mean, you know, the, the beautiful art, I mean, yeah i mean you're right i think the art can sell and the theme can sell um but i think but you still produce a very solid product that for a first time is you know 
I, I would never have guessed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, it, it worked out somehow uh, for now. We're, we're just, uh, we're wrapping up uh, shipping right now. Um, I've got, uh, so uh, everyone, and I'm going to do an update on the Kickstarter. So uh, Canada, uh, the distributors have their copies and the UK, they're about to, oh. the US, it's gonna, which is the bulk of them, is going to take, uh, I think, about a week uh, or no, I guess shipping. So a little less than a week to get to the distributor who will then take uh, about uh, 10 days or less to ship them out to everybody, uh, which means we're going to get uh, that math checks out. People will start getting them by the end of August, but I will. Uh, it's looking like be a little bit over my uh, my proposed uh, sort of deadline uh, by like they'll, they'll start coming beginning of September, which is uh, pretty good for first time Kickstarters and not being six months late. But uh, I would have liked ideally to get them uh, before, but that's that's for next time. I'll uh, know my schedule a little bit better. But everything's chugging along pretty well. I just set mine way out there just so I could beat it easily. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I I thought I was doing that too, and then <laughs> it, it turns out I I just uh, yeah it, it it expanded to fit the available time. Just every every uh, you know all the moving parts. But it sounds like. Uh, yeah, you, you figured that out. I'll definitely uh, know my cushion better. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, it worked out. I mean, I think people are very forgiven, especially when they see the product. You know, the PDF's out. It. Mm-hmm. I think people know. I mean, it's not a pre-order. I mean, it's just, you know, I, people are understanding. I don't think it's it's a big deal. But, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to know. And it's also easy to underestimate. You know, for me, one of the things that delayed me uh, shipping was I, I put in my uh, my order to mix them. There's like a two weeks that you're in a queue and they found an, yeah. an issue with one because I had three At the scenes. end of it. Yeah, so when they go to production, mm-hmm. they found a problem. No, they found a production before they went into, into production. They said, okay, you got a problem with your, you know, with your, uh, uh, with your bleed one of my three i don't know my bleed was off i don't know why having three individual issues created a, a level of complexity that was it, it, i, I mm-hmm. couldn't foresee it so i would fix it and i'd go in the queue for like maybe a week and it would then they would find another problem you know and then yeah. i would fix it and there'd be in the queue it's just like Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a, you went through you went through the ringer with them on the the process there. Yeah, yeah. It's just and then you you hit the end of the time they tell you something else. It's would be yeah. nice, right? Hypothetically, check it all. just check the whole thing. All those Come things me. are all yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that would that would be a little more efficient. Well, the other thing, I was a little too I was too I got too clever for my own self. I, mm. You know, I was reading about you know. Um, talking about rich black rather than just the normal black. So I went yeah. through and changed all my text to rich black and you're not uh-huh. supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do uh. that. And then I had to go through cause I had different styles and across three different zines and fix mm-hmm. every single one of those. And it was, it was a mess. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. Okay. I, educational experience working with them. Like sounds like, you know, all about the ins and outs uh, after that. Yeah, well, the the nice thing is my newest zine. I'm, I actually, um, mm-hmm. it's actually done. I'm having proof copies, so once the proofs are in, then I'm going to actually do the um, Kickstarter. 
So, mm-hmm. but that one I went through the first time. So we'll see. But it's it's hard. I'm knocking on wood for you over here. <laughs> it'll work out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, no, it, it they're shipping, so I didn't have any errors. So we'll see. I mean, the, I'm glad I mm-hmm. did the proofs. Yeah, that's expensive too. People don't realize, you know. Yeah, definitely. I've got like, I, so I I don't know how, but I, I I looked at the cost right, and I was thinking, well, I order like. 20 or i can order 50 and it's going to be just a little bit more expensive to order 50 and it's you know so i i've got fifth well i gave away so i've got like 50 of them sitting around with you know and the proofs have a couple minor errors i'm not going to sell them but i'll be able to just you know hand them out like to friends for however long so i've got this box that i can't do do much with but yeah they're here yeah and and so but you know i realized after i because i wasn't going to do it because i thought that was good enough but man, when I got the, when I got them, it's like the errors just, just shot right in my eyes. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, something and, about physical copies, right? Yeah. Even if you print them out on paper, I, I don't know what it was, but you know, the errors were mm-hmm. mostly had to do with, uh, you know, the having a, a hyphen instead of mm-hmm. the normal uh, N dash that I was using or having spaces before and after an end dash for the rest of them. I mean, it was a lot of just weird yeah. formatting errors that weren't major, but, but there's still some others. But you can was, see it a lot easier when it's not on the screen, right? <laughs> yes. It's like, goodness. Yeah. So, mm-hmm, that, so that's crazy. So, I mean, while this is, so did you get, was it a $20,000 Kickstarter? Which, uh, 21,921, yeah. I believe. And then, you know, every Kickstarter takes its pound of flesh and then you, then you start doing all the expenses and such, but yeah, that, that was the grand total. So I just had some people, my Kickstarter, they wanted copies. I did not offer international, but then afterwards I mm-hmm. let people order. It was $30 to ship it to three different Ooh. countries. And then I just had recently somebody mm-hmm. um, ask about it and mm-hmm. they're in Canada. So let me look at the shipping. It's as mm-hmm. much to ship three zines to yeah. Canada as it is to go to Ireland or uh, Rio de Janeiro or to Indonesia. <laughs> so who uh, you were printing with Mixum, right? Yeah. Could you, um, I, I don't know uh, if you, you pr- might've already looked into this, but what I did with Karth was I printed through Mixum in the U S and then I printed a separate one through Mixum in in Canada, and then I printed through the UK, and then I was shipping from inside the country. Yeah, you, but you had the volume. If you if you if you didn't uh-huh. have the volume, it would not have worked for you. Oh, oh, gotcha. So, like for yeah, that that is the thing for for Canada. I didn't have that many, and it was like getting yeah. I definitely see where you're, you're coming from there. You sort of it 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 drops definitely. Yeah, I mean, if you there's a certain point where you know, obviously, because you're starting over with. It's an it's mm-hmm. a brand new order. I'm assuming if you're ordering from Mixum, yeah, th- their accounts aren't linked. So like, I just uh, did it in guest accounts on the UK and Canada. Yeah, and, which is weird. It, it seems like I mean maybe they're separate companies or something, so it might make sense. But well, no, but it's still set up. It's two different printing presses that have to set up, and they, your mm-hmm. initial yeah. cost is a setup. It's not. That's why mm-hmm. any type of manu. It's just like manufacturing. If you say, hey, mm. Jeff, can you make this thing for me? I'll be like, yeah, it'll be $1,000. You're like, what? I can go buy this for $20 somewhere else. Like, well, if you buy a 2000 of them, I can make it for that. But that first one, you know, is going to be this price because mm-hmm. the setup. 
And so that's what you're paying for is your setup. Yeah, international is is sort of rough there with uh, all those the, the costs on top of everything. Well, the other thing is with the with even with the Brexit, even the U mm-hmm. even in, within the EU, it's also not certain. It's very confusing. Yeah. And then Definitely, also, uh, yeah, whether you do a book or we call it a game can affect somebody getting some sort of duty mm-hmm. or tax that they didn't see coming when they received mm-hmm. the book. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts and it's always moving, it seems like. But you had enough that you were able to actually have people distribute. So that worked out well for you. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I, I wonder how. Um, yeah, I, I guess like uh, that, that definitely was helpful. Except for Australia, I need to nail down uh, somebody because uh, I, I I asked around. I couldn't. I mean, sounds like there might be some people doing it now, but when I was running it, I couldn't find anybody in Australia that was distributing uh, RPGs. But I think there's some options uh, these days. That's something because there are some people buying them down there, or interested. Yeah, and New Zealand—that's another animal too. Uh, but that's oh, yeah. even fewer people than you do with Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Hard. Some at some point, uh, it seems like uh, you're stuck with uh, either just doing POD or like you know setting some very high flat number for shipping everywhere in the world. And if people want to pay it, then they get it. And um, it's just uh, that's realities of shipping make it sort of difficult with because uh, you're not getting a lot of them right shipped to uh, I don't know um, like Kazakhstan or um, so somewhere you know far out there. Right. Yeah, you probably can tie it to just a handful of countries. Uh, but the other one that's big, mm-hmm. uh, that's really big, is is Brazil. Mm-hmm. And they are... Oh, yeah. Yeah, fees are pretty yeah. expensive. But there's a huge RPG audience in mm-hmm. Brazil. And that's kind of... They're not well served by this nonsense with shipping. Mm-hmm. And But I think they only have, their country has their own problems with... with as well but but yeah it's just a you know that's another opportunity for people that want you know material that don't always have access to it mm. yeah definitely i i hope there's i it, it'll be nice if the community keeps expanding of interest and like options for printing keep expanding and like uh in different places where there's people who want to uh you know play rpgs out there it's like they're they're all over the world Oh, they are. There are. So, yeah, that's, that's, again, Joel, <laughs> hats off yeah. to you for, uh, for pulling that whole thing off uh, so successfully. <laughs> I'm sure there were moments of stress. We all went through oh, two weeks. It's, it's up and, ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> but two weeks. I mean, yeah, it seems like I talked to anybody who was doing like a zine quest and, or I guess a Kickstarter in general. And it's just, uh, yeah, that, it's it's just emotional roller coaster. Like I wasn't getting much done of anything else because I had to keep checking and you know doing various things and je- like thinking I messed up dramatically on some aspect, realizing I did in fact dramatically mess up on certain aspects and having to you know uh, freak out and try to fix it real quick. But yeah, I it's just uh, it's it was it's both fun and very stressful. I I don't know what the balance is. Uh, for, for you at the process. I, I don't know what it is for me yet either. I, I'll need to decide, give me like a, another few months of reflection to come back on it. Yeah. I realize cause there's, there's a lot of people putting out wonderful projects during that whole time, but 
I, after going through my Kickstarter, there's a point where I couldn't, I could not look at zine quests. I did not mm. it was just like it. I don't want to say it made me ill, but I mean, I just, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was like, I can't think about this anymore. It just was too much. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's probably better why people, people should probably do it sooner rather than later, but, uh, but some later mm -hmm. Kickstarter or zine quest people as well. But I just, I know that, so how long did it take you to get to your midway point or not your midway point, but your $5,000 minimum? The 5,000 uh, or, yeah, let's see. so I, I had it set, um, for uh, actually 500, uh, which was uh, oh, $500? Sort of, uh, on the, well, yeah, which was, you know, one of those low, like definitely I would have made the thing, but it would not have been, would not have been like uh, a good deal for me, but sort of no. do it, doing it because it, 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 it looks nice. Like uh, uh, when something funds quickly and it still would have been viable to do, but would it be ideal for me? What? No, not, it wouldn't have been the, the best result if it was only 500 bucks. So well, I, I couldn't tell you exactly when it hit like 5,000 or so, but it was, it was relatively a few, few days in, I think. But 5,000 is what you were expecting to make. That's right. Not what you were. Yeah. I, I was looking at, because previous zine quest, right? Like the, um, I was seeing the, the highest like mothership ones were getting like 8,000 and I was thinking, oh. wow, that would be great. And, but I think this year we've seen uh, just a lot more people are on, on board with uh, the zine quest as well. And um it's just sort of uh, like more people are getting involved is uh, there's, it seems to be part of it. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to hurt. It seems like everybody, it just, it's bringing more and more people in, you know, you kind of think, Oh my goodness, we're going to have too many, but it just seems like the, the gaming community is becoming more in tuned as more and more people mm -hmm. put stuff out. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, we'll see what the future holds. I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm actually planning on doing a uh, September Kickstarter for an uh, adventure, a zine I'm working on with a friend, and um, it'll be interesting to see how much Zine Quest uh, sort of uh, makes the, like a big difference uh, versus a, in a non-Zine Quest if there's not yeah. as you know it's not the big festive a atmosphere, right? So we'll see uh, how this one does. It might uh, have a lot less eyeballs on it. Likewise, I'm the same but it's situation. An experiment we're, right now. We're putting one out. I, I have a collaboration of, there's three other people we've, we collaborated on this. So I'm, we're putting one out in mm -hmm. September as well. So that's the grand experiment. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, it definitely, I'm, I'm sort of hopeful because uh, it seems like uh, just based on the way, way people are uh, interested in like cool things people are announcing during this period of time that uh people might be a little thirsty for like cool RPG stuff uh, uh, during this part of the year. Whereas like in zine quest, you've got plenty of, they're definitely very active, but there's also lots of options as well. So I, I guess we'll find out after September, we can check back in how everything, uh, everything goes there. <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting to see how, if I'm going to be as I'm hopefully going to be less stressed, but, uh, mm -hmm. but we'll see. So yeah, we'll, 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 uh, need, uh, compare notes and uh and share stories and uh i, I figure because sure. tom wilson t-h-o-m i think it's tom wilson's last name he does the, the gamma mm. scene and he does it like a yeah game. so i'm I'm kind of trying to do is maybe kind of doing something maybe not exactly like that because but something so yeah what sorry can you uh, refresh me with uh what what he's doing with it uh, i'd I've, oh, I've just seen well, like the title on that one. Oh, it's just a post-apocalyptic uh, mm -hmm. zine that's related to um, 
to Gamma World, and it's just uh, oh, right on. It's got an adventure. It's got some weapons. I mean, it's he's pretty because mm-hmm. he does it all himself, and he only buys stock art. You know, the layout's not great, uh, but you know what? Yeah. People don't care. It's it looks they love him, and they love the content, and he's able to put it out, and he's actually able to do fairly well with with that. And uh, he's very smart. He did, he's very smart. I just say, you look at people how they do stuff, and it's just like. He's a very clever man. It may not be, you know, you know, have the huge dollar amounts, but you know that most of that money that's being made is going to his pocket. Yeah. Sounds, I'll have to look into that one. I've, I've been meaning to get into some of that, like Gamma World, Mutant, like Apocalypse stuff. It's sort of, it's a cool, cool for gaming. It is. So what's your zine going to be? Or is it too, too early to announce? Uh, no, I, I can, um, I see how much I can, I, I I can give you a I can give you a little bit. Um, so it's going to be for Mothership. It's going to be a sort of dungeon crawl heavy, um, inspired. I I think some of the big things drawn from is uh, Star Wars, Frankenstein, and the Caverns of Thracia. I think are are some of the big uh, influences on it. And um, what was the third thing? The the caverns. Yeah, I think what? that's about all I can say right now. Uh, I'm going to have more uh in a couple weeks but uh, i'm just getting that together uh the caverns of thracia yeah what is uh that? so the cavern the oh sure so that's uh, this old um uh adventure from like 1979 by uh by Jeanette uh jaquez i think it's pronounced uh which uh it's it's sort of known for having these these cool loops and uh like a lot of verticality and access between levels there and uh this sort of like sense of history to the place and um it's it's been it it's got a really neat uh sort of accessible design to it where you can decide how you want to tackle this this dungeon come back to it approach from maybe this this different entirely different entrance and uh sort of bypass floors and there's some uh a lack of linearity to it that's really cool wow no i've never heard of that i have to check that out oh yeah definitely it's it's uh hard to find uh uh copies but I, I think there's yeah i think it's somewhere somewhere out there it's 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 really neat it's one of those old judges guild products okay yeah i'm i'm mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's not on on drive through but perhaps it is so i'll have to check it out so uh mothership mm-hmm. so why mothership was it was it a decision based mm-hmm. on economics where you said hey mothership's kind of the, the hotness at the time or what's why that I, I think I think it's definitely a combination of uh, the sort of um, the design ethos of Mothership is very much something I'm interested in. It's a very sort of, um, uh, I guess, uh, open to trying a wide variety of different things. And I really like sort of gritty blue collar, uh, like Space Horror, like Alien Event Horizon. But also um, originally, way back, I was thinking about doing uh, doing something for Stars Without Number, uh, which is a, a great system. Yeah. Uh, but it sort of comes down to sort of the third party uh, sort of um, setup for it isn't. Uh, there's not really a community around that, and uh, the, the licensing is sort of um, uh, not as uh, straightforward of a process. And uh, just uh, from playing Stars Without Number. Uh, uh, the the commu- community of, of that game and uh, it's very used and I know I, I was used to this uh, stripping sort of different uh, uh, RPG systems modules for their use in their system 
whereas uh, Mothership sort of has a bit more of a, uh, a dis- I, I guess, a, a distinctness that that sometimes makes taking things from outside a little harder than vice versa. And definitely the, um, yeah, the, uh, the enthusiasm of people for it was definitely part of my, uh, my, my thinking as well. Yeah. I didn't think about that, you know, right. Cause the crowd, I mean, the OSR crowd, they probably, and the people who probably play that probably have some inkling of traveler and some experience. So there could be a lot of crossover, uh, with material, but you're right with mothership. It, it is a completely different, could be a completely different group of people. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, perhaps like the sort of minimal, like the, the small size of it makes it easier to uh, sort of convert over to something larger because you can use it as a framework and then uh, put in, you know, your traveler or your stars without number, or even maybe Starfinders uh, stats uh, like, and convert that. Uh, whereas uh, paring down sometimes uh, might be harder, but I don't know. I, I haven't haven't tried uh, publishing other way. I'm looking into doing some old school essential stuff uh, or other like another fantasy uh, uh, one for some kind of dungeon in the future to to switch things up from sci-fi. But that's like the the third project from now. If this the next one goes well, you know. Yeah, and I've and um, yeah. So I was interviewing Dan Wilson just the uh, just the other day, and and his product is mm-hmm. old school essentials, and it's. I think sometimes it's, I've talked with other people, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you start getting into the mm-hmm. OSR, like, do you brand it a particular, like, plant a flag, or do you just, do you just kind of leave it mm-hmm. generic to an OSR? And I think they both have their merits. I don't know which one's best. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely, like, um, I, I've been considering that question as well, and like, a, to establish for a specific system and each system has a lot of interchangeability, right. As is yes. the, the sort of na- nature of it, uh, or just call it, I, I guess you could do a sort of system, call it like a system agnostic ish thing, but yeah, it's that balance between like what my personal preferences are for, for stats and, and style versus what, you know, people are interested in as well. And sort of, uh, not like just trying to make something just to, I don't know, be on the pulse of whatever is, is, is hot, like purely for that, but also not uh, purely making something that is exactly, uh, I don't know, the, the format uh, you'd like uh, in a way that is less, less popular if it's something you don't care about that much uh, for, as like system is, I guess, for me. Yeah, I, I, when I saw that, I mean, my intent when I purchased it was um or packed mm-hmm. i guess is the is the term i think yeah. it was to just hack it to another system i just i really didn't care a lot of the stuff i buy i just really didn't care the system that they were in i thought i'm just mm-hmm. gonna use it for my own ends but you know as i kind of read through it's like you know i thought about well maybe using like um it using the cipher system and it's like i'm reading it's like why wouldn't i just use mothership why wouldn't i just for once just actually use a system that was designed for it is it is fairly low onboarding as well. Like I I, I definitely I started out playing uh, Mothership uh, ones. I I used Dead Planet and Stars Without Number, and it, it went over uh, very well because it was a real change of pace for the party from you know Firefly sort of space opera stuff to more of a a, a horror uh, situation real suddenly. And uh, it worked great for that, but also I, it did get me curious to look into actually trying the system, and then. I did that. I was like, oh, it's sort of cool in its own way, too. Yeah, and I think I, 
you know, my, my habit is just always moving things around where it doesn't make sense. And I think with a lot of these Mm -hmm. indie systems, they, they have, you know, I think it's in some ways they've kind of become more uh, old, old school uh, than the old school uh, games were as far as like Mm -hmm. the strip it things down to more simple mechanics and drive a certain type of play without, you know, kind of like with the old, the old like chain like the old um um not chain mail but like the old D D like the blue box or whatever where they just mm-hmm. you know it, it there wasn't a lot to it but you didn't need a lot to it. it it did it very well so i think um so i think yeah something like that would be would be clever so so what games do you normally play or what's your what's your history with gaming yeah so i started out uh, the first game like rpg i ever got into was in uh I think middle school, or no, ele- late elementary school, I got really interested in D&D 3.5, which was the thing at the time for me. Uh, and that was out. And they had, you know, the little boxes of tiny miniatures uh, in the Barnes and Nobles and stuff. Yeah. And back, you know, they, those were really cheap at that time. Now, like, you know, they, they, the price has gone up a lot. And uh, But yeah, I had all these books uh, that I'd, you know, I'd, I'd get uh, gradually amass over time for birthday and stuff. And I'd, I'd read them and uh, could find nobody to play with for uh, like years. But I'd just, uh, I'd just read these books and like sketch out castles. And with 3.5, it had, you know, those, that real crunchy system. So I'd do, I probably learned math uh, quicker than I would normally just because, you know, I could crunch, okay, this many gold pieces for this many square feet of castle, you know, and just, uh, and, that that's very different from where I am uh, sort of now with my uh, preferences, but it it got me sort of started, and eventually I I got into playing. Uh, didn't really played a couple games uh, in middle school at the local like board game shop with uh, people who were a lot older than me for like uh, game days, and then it wasn't until like a uh, college that I started playing again, uh, sort of casually. But once I once I graduated, I um got into uh, running a fifth edition because it, it wow I was like wow this is really popular and uh, there's a lot of more people to play it it's a little more streamlined than 3.5 in some ways and um, played a number a couple uh, short campaigns with that was uh, looking into more um, uh, like one shots uh, on on drive through and came across some more sort of uh, unique uh, type setups and then gradually I uh, got into like DCC and Stars Without Number and tried those and was like, wow, this stuff's really interesting. And once I, I saw this sort of OSR was like a, a thing, I uh, really sort of glommed onto it. And uh, so uh, primarily, I'm, I usually play like a Dungeon Crawl Classics, um, Mothership, and uh, Nave has, or, or ha- various hacks of what uh, Nave have been it. I've been meaning to get into just, uh, for uh because it's it's such a just playing like old school essentials or labyrinth lord or cyric or one of those sort of uh like dx like uh basically uh not clones or uh similar uh game types to sort of get that experience but um i really don't like as someone who doesn't have like a nostalgic pull to it and i I get that you can calculate it but some of some of the little bits like and you like like thaco or um nobody's explained to me and i'm sure i've I've heard reds like why the save versus paralysis versus save versus the, i if you can explain it to me like uh why it's like cool like the save versus death save versus poison as opposed to like other 
saves like i would love to be sold on it because it has a cool like retro like like feel to it but like just yeah. those two elements everything my, else my uh, assumption was this probably goes back to the very very early days where it was more mm-hmm. war gamey and probably more prescribed yeah so they had that sort of set like there's paralysis there's magic wands there's uh yes there's traps or yeah but then i think as it, as the game kind of expanded in, in its thinking it, those things started becoming more and more confusing like well if the paralysis is a spell you know it's just, it comes from a yeah. wand it's like it's like I'll, I'll i'll just have to you know play it straight sometime and the, a lot of people say like you just is play it like rules or not it, but like, like basic D and D like just rules, straight rules, give that a shot. And then before like, uh, um, you know, doing all the changes. And I, I think I'll, I'll give that a shot some, and see if there's any, any value to some of those really weird ones uh, that like uh, don't uh, make inherent sense uh, to me as someone who hasn't, you know, uh, wasn't raised on it, but m- might actually have some gameplay value to them. Yeah. I think, I'm not huge into the D and D into the clones and, and so forth, mm-hmm. but I do play a number of them, but like some have like, um, someone does some pretty clever stuff with them. I think with ax, uh, I think mm-hmm. they use the, what they use the, they end up using like the saving throw versus paralysis for just a lot of different things, which is, they kind mm-hmm. of made it a more, um, I think it has to do with when you're, when you're fighting. Well, this is what's kind of interesting mm-hmm. because different classes they save differently based on each of those columns. So wizards will save better on yeah. certain things, but these will 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 save better on other mm-hmm. things. They've got their their strengths and weaknesses, sort of. Yeah, but then you can also then tailor. I think then you could tailor certain actions based on saving throws that make sense for that class. So oh, you, yeah. you you could do something like. You know, you you make an attack, you're and you do a save versus you make a roll versus paralysis or whatever maybe. Mm-hmm. And if you succeed, then you can disarm your opponent. Gotcha. Yeah, that it's sort of like a make make sort of a ruling that that's the the, the thing in that situation, and it could be cool. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to check back in after I you know run 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 it straight sometime. But yeah, there's there's a whole and range of different like games that are fun and like uh, in in levels of crunch and simplicity like one that i've really enjoyed and i think uh you were talking about on one podcast was delta green uh i've really i've played a couple ran a couple games of that and um it's definitely it's my sometimes food for for gaming but it's definitely it seems to have a simplicity of its own that like more so than a call of cthulhu uh and uh, which uh, seems fun as well, but I, I like their sort of um, interpretation of the rules there and the setting for that one is really uh, cool. Hit that X Files, government conspiracies, and Cthulhu, you got it all. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty insane. Um, there's some some like cool stuff that they. I think the nice thing is it seems like it's a streamlined version of of the uh, of the BRP. And mm-hmm. uh, they also have kill rules, as you probably know. I thought was a nice thing. Yeah, the, yeah, that lethality. It's yeah. it's a pretty solid thing to maybe steal for another system and just be like, "Are we going to roll percentage here? And if it's under that, you're dead." <laughs> like, 
you're getting pretty hard for something, something pointy and sharp. Uh, you just have a, a random chance of just dying no matter who you are. So then you need to think mm -hmm. about whether you want to engage with sharp pointy things or shoot things. It's just like, okay, firefights mm -hmm. are bad things to be in. You're not guaranteed anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think there is value playing the old one, the old game straight, but I, I still think you're going to come to the conclusion that <laughs> that they need updated and rethought and, I mean, and <laughs> that that is sort of that, that that's my you know default assumption going in but you know i don't want to just uh i i, I want to have have like yeah have, have the experience so somebody telling me like oh you know i i like it so and so like that i have actually like know if i like it or not i guess maybe, maybe i will who knows but it's, those, it's not this there, there's so many different ways of playing there are what's it's the analogy too is my daughter bought a record player. Occasionally she'll get a record and somebody will try and promote mm -hmm. me like about getting records. And I'd say, you know, I grew up with records. I don't care if I ever see another record again. You know, mm -hmm. I I can stream music to the level I want and I can listen to it anytime I want. She's like, Oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. I go, Yes, it is. I spent like 30 years with records, cleaning them make sure they're static, mm -hmm. you know, and, and storing them and they're heavy. And, but I can understand mm -hmm. people do enjoy the, 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 the fidelity, but, um, but Ooh, just a second. But anyway, the point is there's fidelity and there's something to be gained, but, but in the end, it's just like mm -hmm. the idea that you can just listen to music at any time in your car at home. I mean, the advancements yeah. of technology, no, I, I, you know, have improved and sure there may be times for nostalgia. You want to get on those records. Uh, but that's quite. I look mm -hmm. at those old school games. Yeah, go to a convention. I like playing some of those older games, but only at those conventions. <laughs> Not yeah, that seems game. like it's it's good to like draw what's valuable from from previous uh, sort of uh, games, and also like some new, like new things too. And then you get a a cool blend of all of that. Yeah, I think like one of the things that I think was missing from like the BX is the. In, uh, I might have talked about before is the uh, is the um, reaction table, the two D six reaction table. I think is oh, that that came that came later. Well, no, it's like in BX, but they took it out. Mm -hmm. So the idea oh. is that you could, yeah. So I don't know if it had in first edition or second edition. Mm -hmm. I don't think it had first edition, but anyway, the point is, is like the, it later changed to your only option really for the most part was to fight monsters. Where with the reaction table. You could actually have mm -hmm. non-combat encounters with with humanoids. Yeah, because you could actually roll really it, it, well, and maybe they want to trade. You know, mm -hmm. that's sort of the one of the killer apps, I think, of uh, of like that that generation of uh, or I guess be uh, basic basic D and D is having that like just built into the game as procedure instead of like just only DM like deciding that like. Oh, they're all going to fight like that. You have to decide. And I think on that, right? Like the, the odds that they just want to fight is like 20% or 15, right? Yeah. It's pretty low. And then you also have morale where they, you know, you could either choose to have them run, but you could just roll for it and say, you mm -hmm. know what? Because in real life, most people don't want to fight to the death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny how that happens. And, and most combatants can do math and they can see their comrades dying and they can see, uh, mm -hmm the opponent's not dying and they can calculate out the curve and realize they're heading towards extinction. <laughs> it's like... I was wondering if you had any suggestions. So I, I always try to use like morale and reactions, but sometimes when I'm in like a, 
like, you know, combat's going back and forth. I'm doing running down everybody's turn. Like it'll, it'll slip my mind to do it when it's like an obvious time. And then I'll be like, Oh, and uh, you killed You fought this a lot longer than you had to. Like if you had any like uh, mental tricks to like, just, just remember to, uh, to use that. I guess it's just practice because uh, coming from, you know, originally, right. It was sort of a relatively new thing to me to be using it, even though it's great. I think part of the problem is some of the systems don't really allow for you to be able to effectively do that. Mm. So once you're engaged in combat, a lot of systems, I think, make it very hard to disengage. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, no, I, I guess it's just sort of, you get into that mode. It's uh, some, I got to just add it to my, my list there and like underline it for my like DM procedures for yeah, I've been whatever. guilty too of that. And I'm just thinking, why am I doing this? It's just, but you know, the really the thing should do is you you have them run and then mm -hmm. the players don't do anything about it. And then they go get their buddies. <laughs> mm -hmm. and the players are still walking around like nothing's happened. It's like, what do you think they're gonna do? <laughs> it's like <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, you just walk around like you beat them. Oh, well, yeah, sure you beat them, but you know what? They've there's a whole group of them and you know, five rooms down, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. I think the thing is, I think there's a certain expectation for, for it to be combat to the death. And I'm not sure why that is. I don't know. There's really no, usually not much governance in the adventures either for how to handle those situations. It seems like a sort of more like, I guess, as you got into 3.5 and 5e was like the way they did experience points and like, just like, all right, you got to kill, you kill these, these monsters, you get this experience, right? And you're not, it's not for treasure or uh, then like it turns into like, it incentivizes that like, you know, oh, like yeah. killing, killing these things to, to harvest their, their XP they contain inside of them, like pinatas. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's true. I even with, uh, I remember with even first edition, I mean, it was, I mean, mm -hmm. we played a lot of first edition and, and you got XP with mm -hmm. your gold and with your uh, monsters and the, the magic users start out would only have like three hit points, you know? And so the mm -hmm. fighter would, you know, get the guy down to just about he's ready to die. Then, then the magic user would come in and, you know, throw his dart, kill it. And in order to get any experience points, that's the only way you could get experience points. So it even turned even that into a, a bizarre game where as a GM, the only way you could provide experience points was for your character, for the characters playing was to give them monsters to kill and, and gold mm -hmm. to loot. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's all, all sorts of different ways to run it for sure. Have, um, have you ever been to, uh, have you been to like Gary Con before? No, I have not been to Gary Con. Gotcha. Oh, that was just sort of side note. Uh, Cause um. I, I'd, I'd be interested, like you mentioned, uh, some of the people uh, running like first edition or, or BX and I've actually, so I've, I've ran a, a number of like OSR games, but my, my entire sort of um, all my like information has been through like the internet, right? Like reading like the reddits and the blogs and the watching the videos and the, you know, reading the, uh, the adventures. And I, I think there's some, some kind of oral transmission of like um of you know of, of strategies and ways of running games that I think that that in person is definitely uh, a good thing for and you know it's been hard with COVID to to do that and probably harder to find like uh, old school games in, in like a particular city so I'm interested uh, hopefully at some of these conventions experience that on the player side 
as well. Yeah, and I think the other the other uh, uh, sort of I can't think it's too late, but there's a there's a certain uh, yeah, yeah. trope is that you know the expectation is balanced monsters with modern games, but you know the older games they didn't mm-hmm. really necessarily care about balance you just if you need to run away you ran yeah. away you know it's just it's just in a roll on this encounter <laughs> oh you got a sand squid there yeah <laughs> yeah and i think i think because i remember mm-hmm. playing a, a ran the uh minds of Fandel the was the lost minds of Fandelver. yeah the the introductory one yeah that and, they had and they in the room they had a they had a lich mm-hmm. and this castle was a lich players beat on the door he's like go away they, they knock on the door he's like you know what he thought there were these other people just go away leave me alone da, da, da. so mm-hmm. they just kicked the door open decided to go kill whatever's inside well i was a lich <laughs> it's like and they got one guy was like mad at me he's like what's a lich doing in here like why are you just kicking down doors and attacking things for no good reason you know it's just you know you, you could give them a, a taste of uh, like some old school gaming in their minds of van delver yeah so it was neat because that bring that a little lich, of that that lich didn't he was not gonna he was not an antagonistic towards the characters he really didn't even like the people that were in the castle he was just doing his own mm-hmm. thing he was just he was just mind his own business like leave me alone <laughs> and here they are which I think is always a is kind of an interesting concept that I think it gets mm-hmm. lost over the years, but I don't know. I, I see the I can see both sides. But so really, you've you've kind of expanded yeah. more lately into to, to the different RPGs. Then is what it sounds like. Yeah, I'd say the last um, I don't know two. I think just last three three years or so, it's been sort of. Uh, I've been really into like a OSR and a, a J, OSR adjacent stuff and like, and Delta green. And, um, you know, I've, I have, I've had a lot of fun playing, playing 5e, uh, but I, I think it's just, uh, I, I, and I'd be happy to run it again, but I, be, I found that at, when you're running games, uh, depending on, on the groups, uh, you really, you have a, you can sometimes say, okay, Hey, I want to run this. And, uh, as like a, a GM, you're sort of, you know, you're in limited supplies. So if you've got your preference there and then you can see if your players are interested in that. And that's worked for me in, uh, just running, uh, running these games with, uh, a lot of people had with no experience uh, with them before, and they've had a blast, uh, a lot of my, the players there, or some of them haven't had a blast. And then we've talked about that and, you know, everyone's got their different, uh, expectations for what games they want but it's, it's been cool yeah i mean and the thing is we all come to the game for you know for a for, for different reasons they can be very exactly different yeah reasons. there's such a, a wide variety of fun people are looking for yeah because sometimes people complain about you know a certain person or you know being this way or that way but it's like you know mm-hmm. that's what they want they just want to if a person just wants to come in and roll dice and kill goblins and mm-hmm. that's all they really want to do it's like there's it may not be fitting for your style but that's a legitimate yeah. form that's just what they want yeah just, I, I think that that's a that's a great way of looking at it. like there's no wrong way to have fun right like yeah. uh and like um i i know i like with i don't on on desert desert moon of cars for example I, I was really sort of concerned early on that when i was when i was starting it that i was like well, I, I like I like horror and I like have some spooky elements, but it's really not that scary as Mothership modules go. Uh, it, 
And uh, I don't know, I, I thought people were going to be like, hey, this doesn't meet my, my spook factor or whatever. But, you know, it turns out, you know, people are looking for a wide variety of different things. And uh, like Delta Green, too, like I love I love running Delta Green, but, but some of some of the people I really like uh, playing with, they just uh, they're not always looking for. Um, I don't know if you, you know, the introductory, uh, the intro, last things last, for example, uh, yeah. the, the starter adventure. OK. Yeah, that's so they've they've got a, a great starter adventure. It's very quick, very simple. It's uh it's fairly dark and uh it's definitely one thing going from like uh you know D D and like sci-fi stuff to like uh you know this is real and everything's like the, the universe hates you and your government agents, which is a lot of fun, but just not for everybody. Well, and then you have to do bad things sometimes. Like yeah, I, and- I had a the we were in a situation where one of the characters got messed up and i called the handler handler says yeah you have to, you have to put him down I'm like okay <laughs> yeah are you sure like yeah that. okay <laughs> Jeez. yeah it's like if you're you're playing dungeons and dragons you don't usually like we're like well sorry i gotta put you out of your misery here like that it's just yeah. you know totally very different experiences and you're not always looking for one or the other i guess no and i think there's another time where it's just like yeah it's just like you know you may not fall in love with the npcs but you know it's just Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to do squeaky things and to do the right yeah it's probably that much like war where sometimes it's just you know not to justify war but Mm -hmm. uh but you know sometimes there's just just terrible things that that people have to live with in you know Mm -hmm. doing what they think is right yeah and and, and then sometimes yeah go for it oh i was gonna say but the the mechanics kind of do that because if you shoot an unarmed person that you're not provoked Mm -hmm. you you will lose sanity over that i mean Mm -hmm. it it is said like you do things that are not just you can't really justify it in your mind you're gonna you're gonna pay for it in your psyche Mm -hmm. there's there's too many games out there to play that's a, so 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 little time sometimes for all those. So you got ultraviolet grasslands, right? Yeah, I've got the the copy on my nightstand right now. So here's here's the to me the the big question: mm-hmm. What system would you use for ultraviolet grasslands? Ah, oh, that's that is a great question, and I don't know if I have an answer <laughs> for it. I I think I've been leaning towards I I've been. It's in on my list of things to run is an ultraviolet grasslands game, and I think uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics would be a lot of fun. Um, I, I I really like the sort of the the wacky flavor that brings, and I think it could pair well. Um, or I don't know, like a, I was thinking of doing something really doing like a Stars Without Number game where it's just like they're here. I don't know. They got beamed down. I don't have any premise quite yet, but you know, you're playing a sci-fi game in this, this wacky sort of uh, Mobius heavy metal place and yeah. sort of that strange, strange land type thing, trying to get to the, the last city could be cool. But um, I mean, the, the system sort of uh, seems like whatever you played that in, you'd have fun. What about you? Anything uh, you've been thinking about? Well, I tried it in, with the Genesis system that, that didn't work too well. <laughs> it worked okay. Gotcha. Uh, but but I was thinking because I just got worlds without number. Oh wait, that's that's a much better pick than stars. It's much easier than stars without number. At least but, yeah, that's a good it, idea. But it's interchangeable though with stars without number though. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so, I guess um, I, I guess tonally you could decide. Well, someone could be like a psychic uh, or a space pilot, and someone's like a barbarian, and you yeah. can mix and match. That would be sweet. Really go with that uh, ultraviolet grasslands. Because I think what's interesting is because it's got stuff that it doesn't necessarily try and be um, balanced either. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. you can get weapons. They're just creatures are just like monstrously damaging <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. and like in a game like numenera that's not always it's not well numenera would be or the cypher system might be kind of fun mm-hmm. but it's like i don't think it 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 doesn't really play the same i mean i think there's a lot of le- potential lethality with with the um mm-hmm. uh, with the ultraviolet grasslands it doesn't have to be but i mean i think a system that mm-hmm. they more realistic well i'll say realistic but a less forgiving system might be better I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was I was seeing um, somebody discussing, like in a review, saying like the format of the game, like the caravan crawl, uh, sort of almost deserves to be like a genre in itself. Like you know, you have you have hex crawls, you've got point crawl or uh, dungeon crawls, and then like that that sense of traveling back and forth with a destination, like that's really cool. And uh, I think it would be interesting if someone else uh, sort of uh, use use that format for something entirely different, or if uh, or if there's just a sequel, uh, like a di- ultraviolet grasslands, like grassland harder or something, but uh, would be fun as well. I think I don't think there's a sequel. I think one of the next ones he's wanted to do is uh, mm-hmm. was it Red Sky Dead City? Yeah, that one. I just saw the cover. That looks really cool. That's I got a, long. That's not for me, right there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> see, uh, you, I, I'm really like. Uh, it's cool when somebody has the ability to not only write very well, draw very well, but also do layout really well. And like, uh, you can really get that all, all put together in one package and I'll, I'll probably pick up whatever, uh, whatever his next project is for sure. Have you ever dealt with him like one on one? No, no, I've, I've never, never met at all. Just, uh, yeah, never interacted. He's got a discord. He is one of the most, he is one of the nicest, mm-hmm. most generous, people i've ever seen in the amount of output that he does while having a full-time job and going through personal issues it's just like Mm -hmm. i don't know how he does it and uh i i was looking for somebody to review look over a module i'd done um and Mm -hmm. uh i came around was asking some of the discourse says, well i could do it i just felt kind of sheepish but it's like he did it he he provided me feedback not only going on this weekend he said i'll look it over i was like my goodness. Yeah, he doesn't know me from Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's something it, it's really nice in this sort of small community spaces. And also like uh sounds like uh it's it's a uh, it's uh Lucas, right? Yeah, now. Lucas no. Rajik or Rajik. Yeah, or... Rajik. Yeah, I I was trying to that's an, another like I, I read a lot of the words uh and then don't always you know say them out loud that many times. But yeah, <laughs> no, um yeah, it just uh, seems great. And th- that's what I, I like about the community too. It's like, um, are people, the sphere of people doing this type of uh, RPG stuff, it's relatively small. So the people who are like, I guess you'd call famous, quote unquote, are are just, you know, not that many degrees of separation away from you. You know, they're they're very accessible and they're, they're human, pe- they're, they're real people, you know? And they're fans uh, that's sort too. That's cool compared. Yeah, they, they like, they like doing it. They like that they do the stuff because they like it. You know, if this was, if we were talking, like, if you had, like, a, a movie podcast or something, 
And like, there's, there's so many layers between if you're at like the top of the game and someone just getting in here. And I, I really like that sort of, um, that fan atmosphere. It seems really, uh, like conducive to like creative stuff. Yeah, it, it does. And I've also found that even within our RPG zine group, I found a number of people who just are, are willing to lend a hand and also willing to mm-hmm. contribute. In fact, there's even a, I need to follow through with this guy. There's even a guy who writes more on professional level who seemed very interested in just kind of just doing a project, be doing a project. I thought that's kind of astounding, you know? Yeah. Just because it's fun to do. Yeah, it is. It, it's, and we're fortunate with being in the spot we are with the internet and, and yeah. the tools that we have in order to connect. Yeah, I'm optimistic about, I think, the, the, the future of people being interested in sort of this general sphere osr whatever you'd call it of uh, like some uh or in indie rpgs i i think it's 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 growing and more and more people are discovering that and uh uh i i, I know there's sort of back and forth on if 5e being really big is is a net good or net bad uh but what you can say regardless of that is there there are more people getting into all sorts of rpgs uh like uh every every day which is really cool yeah, it, for me, so when I started, you know, RPGs weren't cool, and it was just, mm-hmm. it was just guys. But, yeah. it, it, but what, what I think what D&D is doing is it's bringing people of all sorts, not just the nerds that live in small towns, guys, it's bringing mm-hmm. everybody From like the everybody. Mid- Midwest, <laughs> yeah. And I think that what, I think just the, just that fact alone is, adding to the community in a way that will cause it to grow in mm-hmm. and artistically and mechanically and in new direction. Cause I, cause back, I remember when D when I kind of started back in the games again, back in I was early two thousands, I was thinking, well, mm-hmm. role-playing games dead, everything I could ever want to play. I have, I don't need to worry about any more RPGs mm-hmm. and I can't really imagine there could be anything new. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I I remember like one of my first when I was in that game store in like middle school, uh, the uh, the people were there, uh, the older guys I was playing 3.5 with at the time. They're saying, yeah, you know, it's good to see kids coming in here, you know, with World of Warcraft out now, like RPGs are dying. Right. Everyone's yeah. just going to play video games. And, you know, it turns out that they, they, there's something special, I think, there to the, the in-person interactions. That's really I think what I'm, I'm guessing, this is my take, which could be mm-hmm. completely wrong, is that I think sure. people grew up without the computer games. And then when computer games came in, they were kind of the new hotness and was exciting. Mm-hmm. But I think the people that grew up with the, art, with the computer games, I think once they reached a certain age, they're looking for something different. And the tactile mm-hmm. games became important to them. So, yeah, I, I think mean, the it's pitch just, is great. For- yeah or yeah if if you played skyrim right and you tell someone all right you know how you play skyrim right and you can only do certain things right what if you could play skyrim but do anything and play it with other people and be anyone right like that's sort of that that pitch and the flexibility of like the human computer i mean it's 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 sort of it's a good way to sell yourself it doesn't need to be skyrim but you know any type of open world video game that you can do a lot in but only what they programmed like there's limitations still yes there, there definitely is, and it's probably mm-hmm. less obvious 
than back in my day where you just there'd be a wall there for no reason i guess yeah like, you still run into those there's a door why can't i use my rocket launcher to open it it's not gonna work mm-hmm. okay i guess i gotta find the key card it's like, yeah yeah it's 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 just i think we are at a much healthier place and with so much innovation i think so many people entering into uh the hobby it's i just i'm absolutely excited to see what what new things are going to get invented yeah Yeah. every week whenever i refresh like uh on that like facebook scene page or i'm always curious to see you know what uh, cover page someone's going to post or the question it might be the the next thing that i think is like really neat yeah it's it's really pretty amazing so uh it's just uh so so you live out in the middle of, uh, so you live out in the middle of the, well, I'll say the middle of woods, but you kind of live out in the middle of the woods, right? Yeah. So Population you know, 300. In a, on an island. Was that, did you say it was an island? Uh, that you yeah. Live? Okay. So you live on an island. It, it's basically an island. Yeah. You can't get that. You can't, you got to take the ferry to, to leave. My, my groceries show up on the boat. So yeah. <laughs> you don't want to miss the boat. <laughs> no. Yeah. You, you got to wait till the next one. So are you able to game where you're at? Do you have like people on the island that you can game with or are you pretty much? Yeah. No, I, I put together a, a group of people um, among some, some, like uh, who are working out here. And I, I got little, I have physical posters up like, uh, cause you know, no, there's no, you know, uh, internet. Either. I mean, some people have it in their houses, but if you want to get people's attention here, you have to like, uh, you know, talk to them in person, or I, I put up in the, the post office there, I've got a little flyer. And uh, yeah, I've, I've got this regular group. It's sort of like a West Marches type game, where people come in and come out, their yeah. schedules sort of vary a little bit. But then uh, we just start in the town, and then they put together their Ocean's Eleven type crew of uh, adventurers, and then go off to the dungeon and sort of build upon previous expeditions with knowledge oh, and neat. stuff. And it's been fun. Yeah. But I, I hope to get into the, the online uh, for some of the, the other people uh, once, I, once I leave and I'm sort of moving around and have good Wi-Fi because uh, it's, you know, I'll be, uh, this group will be back here. So it'll be nice to be able to get my gaming in somewhere else too. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I imagine the remoteness probably also uh, of a smaller community makes people, uh, maybe more willing to kind of take the time and actually do oh, something like that. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, people don't, you know, if they, if they have Netflix, they, they really have to use it like uh, judiciously to not use up their, uh, internet allowance or their satellite for the, the month. And we've got, uh, VHSs all over the place scattered in people's <laughs> houses here. And so there's a, you know, the various government, uh, housing and then other people's like sort of private, uh, businesses, like, everyone's got these old VHS tapes and we're like trade, like, Oh, you've got clerks. Oh, you've got all three star Wars movies. And so it's definitely, uh, uh, in the evenings, right. You have less competition when there's less to do so you can uh, get your game in more regularly. So it sounds like you also have a potential good scenario for a, um, follow Delta green. I mean, you got the Island, the remoteness, the the houses, the VHS tapes. You know, I read, I, I swear, I, and there's a scenario, and I think it's one of the official ones, which sounds, oh, wow, you're, you're right, actually, uh, very specifically. I, I got to work on that, maybe. <laughs> but um, there's a, 
Yeah, there, there's a scenario in a, a Delta Green that describes this this place uh, up this this alpine lake that uh, has you know some some weird stuff going on. That sounds very very similar uh, to this this area right around here. So I I don't know what their inspiration was, but uh, it might have been. I think the VH ta- uh, VH tapes need to play in somehow. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, they'll have like oh. D- do not watch and then watch <laughs> written over them. Yeah. No, absolutely. There's something creepy about like old, uh, like analog, like technology for sure. Do you ever see Videodrome? Videodrome. I've only heard the title. Is that a horror movie or? Yeah, it was kind of a weird. It had Deborah Harry from Blondie in it and had James Woods. Mm. Uh, but anyway, it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty trippy and you weren't sure what's real, what's not. And, he starts poking around okay. his abdomen with his gun and he starts realizing his opening. And I think there's a VHS tape in his abdomen. <laughs> it's just, oh, wow. well, anyway, you know, there might be some fun yeah. stuff there. I don't know. Let's you know, see. that's on the list now. <laughs> I don't know if it holds up. I, I find a lot of these movies mm-hmm. I thought were decent and in retrospect, not so much, but uh, I'll just, and you just need to get yourself in the, the right state of mind for them. <laughs> just pretend it's the eighties. <laughs> Ignore mm-hmm. the bad music. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think Joe, we're hitting the time space continuum. Good deal. I think we'll need to, we'll need to reconnect later uh, and uh, and share some <laughs> insights and thoughts about our Kickstarters. Great. Well, it, I've had a blast talking to you. It's always good to shoot the shit about uh, RPG stuff, and uh, I think yeah, I look forward to hearing my own voice and cringing. <laughs> I do it every time. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the club. Thanks again, Joel. Awesome. Yeah, no worries. Have a good one.